Hello, homeschool friends, and welcome to this episode of the Homeschool High School Podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com and brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. I'm Sabrina, and I am looking forward to making sense of transcript levels today. We're going to talk about levels for credits on the Homeschool High School transcript. This leveling word... Um, it's something we hear about all the time in the inbox at info at sevensistershomeschool.com, where a lot of you send your questions. And uh, Seven Sister Vicki has written some really, really helpful blog posts at the website. So if you have not checked those out and you have questions about levels after you've listened to today's episode, well, you can check out Vicki's posts and they will probably help you make further sense of it. Making sense of levels. So a credit is a credit, right? I mean, you have to earn a certain number of credits on the transcript and then you're allowed to graduate and be done with high school. And so it's, it should be like a plug and play kind of thing. Huh? Unfortunately, not that way. There is a huge range of definitions for exactly what a credit means when it comes to the high school transcript. And here's why. First of all, not all course credits are created equal in terms of how much time and energy they require, in terms of how much learning is being captured in that thing that is called a credit. For example, an English language arts credit on a high school transcript, ninth grade English, for example, is typically way more work than ninth grade history. That is because English is a complex credit. It's made up of reading with analysis and writing of various kinds and vocabulary and spelling and grammar and punctuation, all that stuff and public speaking. It's a lot. It's a lot. And so you're going to need more work on those kind of tasks that all lead to mastery of good written and spoken communication, understanding what others have said in their writing and understanding how to articulate ideas yourself in a variety of forms, that's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot of time each week. Whereas studying, um, I don't know, Civil War era history is not going to take as many hours. So starting right at the starting gate there, that each credit is not exactly the same because you're talking about different kinds of courses. Now, college admissions officers are for the most part the ones who get to decide what all of this credit stuff means. And that's because they're the ones who are evaluating your kid's potential fit for their college, for their institution, by looking at this piece of paper called a transcript. They have never met your child. They have not walked alongside them through the four years of high school. They are looking at a piece of paper that is giving them a snapshot of the type of person and student Your child has been through four years of high school. That is a tall order. I would not want to have to figure out much of anything about any human being by looking at a one-page snapshot of four years of life. But that's how it is. And so in order to do that as well as they can, college admissions officers have developed this idea of credits, and they have explained what they want those credits to capture, what it is that they're looking for. So when they see an English language arts credit, when they see ninth grade English, they know that earning that one credit took a lot more time than earning the ninth grade history credit took. They know that. So it doesn't, we're not trying to figure out any way to make 
each of the credits equal. We're going with the expectation of the college admissions officers. They're the ones who kind of created the system, created this terminology, created this at a glance piece of paper called the transcript. And uh, we're going to just, we're going to go with their definitions and their expectations there. Second, all credits are not the same because we can set them at different levels. And that's what we're going to really lean into in this episode. So the idea of the level of a credit has to do with whether you're talking about the basic average high school experience with this particular coursework, whether um, you're talking about what a college bound kid who's trying to capture the attention of that college admissions officer, what that kid is going to do in that subject area, or whether you're looking at a kid who is not only going to go to college, but wants to major in that area. And what would they be likely to do in that course? And actually the idea of levels is kind of lovely because it gives you the chance to make that transcript a little bit more individual, a little bit more accurate in its reflection of your student. You're not just saying, yes, my kid got a biology credit this year for science. You're saying, my kid got a really demanding biology credit in science this year. We did biology using this textbook that was already at a college prep level. We did all the extra enrichment activities. We added additional lab hours of our own, and we tied research paper into biology this year. Why? Because my kid is really interested in biology. My kid is seriously considering going into a field that would require college biology and, and all sorts of sciences that are then going to grow out of that. So this is a way to show on that transcript, ooh, my kid's a biology kid. So if your college has a good place for biology kids like my kid, you should take a close look at my kid because that biology credit that we earned, that was a level five biology credit. How about that? right? It's a way to put like a big gold star next to the credits that were the ones that your kid really leaned into and would really like for people to notice. Some kids are really bright academically in almost every subject area. They can just excel across the board. But the most common thing is that a kid excels in a couple of areas has a couple of areas that are very interested, um, very interesting to them, has a couple of areas that they find both easy and exciting. So they're able to do the work, do it fairly quickly. It doesn't require a ton of perseverance and they get excited about what they're learning. And so they dig in deeper, they ask more questions, they on their own explore the subject further. For those areas, those areas of passion, those areas of a career thought, you know, they're looking toward the future thinking this really might be something that I want to be a part of my ongoing adult life, not just a class that I took at some point in the, in the past, but an ongoing part of my life. For those areas, it is a wonderful tool to be able to level up a credit on the transcript. Now, sort of the given, it's not done exactly the same everywhere, but if you follow this kind of a format, then just about any college that's looking at your kid's transcript, they're going to know what they're looking at. They're going to understand how you've done it this way. So a level one is a remedial credit. This is a kid who is seriously struggling with academics. This is a kid with profound learning disabilities challenges, a kid who is probably not earning a high school diploma per se. And so we're, we're going to kind of ignore level ones at this point, because if you have a kid who is going to earn a high school diploma, there shouldn't be any level one credits showing on the transcript. Those indicate that they are below what should be expected 
for an average high school student. Okay. And if you have a kid with special needs where that is the situation, that is absolutely fine. But if so, the idea of how you're going to level the credits on a transcript is kind of irrelevant. So this episode's not going to be a lot of help for you. Um, and, and you'll just have to look for some other episodes of the Homeschool High School podcast. But for anyone with a kid who is capable of doing high school work and earning a high school diploma, a level two is an average high school credit. These are the courses that just about everybody would take. The expectations in those classes would be that you're doing, you know, a couple of hours of work on on your own in this each week. You're doing some reading, you're answering some questions, you're doing some writing or a project. But this thing is not like consuming your life. It's, It's not eating up all of your energy because it's very manageable. There's a reason it's called average, and that's because when you take all of the high schoolers and you put them into a big pot and you average it out and you find that, yeah, they can pretty much all do it. So a level two is an average credit. A level three is what we call a college prep credit. And that would be an average high school course with all of its expectations, plus a little more. So a little more writing is expected the level of writing is higher. The grading is a little little tougher on the writing assignments. There are perhaps more hours of project or field trip work that go into it. There's some enrichment reading or some enrichment video. There's a group project or a group discussion component. There are extra things that are beyond just the basic. Read this material, be able to answer these basic questions to indicate a general mastery of what was in this text. And instead it's showing that, no, this is, this is a kid who is both learning about this subject and learning to be a really good student, practicing academic studenting skills <laughs> so that this is a kid who is thinking toward college. Now in college, you have very little oversight from your professors in your courses. They are not holding your hand and making sure that you understand the syllabus and are completing your homework as you go along. And if you cram the night before an exam, they don't know about it unless you bomb the exam and then they figure that you probably didn't stay on top of your work in the two weeks before that and you put it all off to the last minute. Or if you write your research paper last minute and it's not very good, you know, they might assume, but they're not walking through the process with you. When we are homeschooling our kids in high school, we are very much up to our eyeballs in the process with them and we see them developing their skills as students. So those studenting skills, that's part of what we're doing with the college prep credit. We're assigning more work, and some of that work, yes, is building the student's mastery of that subject, but in addition, it's building those skills that they're gonna need as a college student, where they're having to self-manage, where they're having to organize their time well, where they're having to learn how to memorize um, significant chunks of new information in a short period of time, where they're learning how to edit their own writing and how to proofread carefully. So all of that is a part of a college prep credit. And we typically think in terms of bumping something up by an extra 25, 30%, something like that, of what the average, what the level two is earning. And so you want, you want additional work for another, it's, it's kind of like one and a third, something, something like that. This is in very general terms. You can earn a level four, which is an advanced credit. That is essentially one and a half times the work that would be required for an average level two or a little bit more. So for science, this could be that you do all of the textbook assignments, the homework, 
take all the tests, you do all of the labs that are required in there, and you also read 10 academically uh, respectable scientific articles that tie into chapters in your textbook that are supplemental reading, and you do a couple of field trips to places where you see that type of science being used in industry, in careers, and you maybe do an additional either research paper or project or an additional lab that you take responsibility for yourself. Perhaps you do a presentation on your findings from some sort of extended experiment, something like that where really you, you took that textbook, you did the average work required, you also did the extra stuff, some extra reading, a little bit of extra hands-on, but then you took it that extra mile and you really made it your own. And there was something that you were able to produce over the course of that year that shows that you were really internalizing what you were memorizing. You were learning in ways that were, that were growing. You were laying a foundation of understanding and then going ahead and beginning to build on it. And uh, you've made it very much your own, okay? The final step up would be a level five honors credit. An honors credit should essentially be double the work that that level two average credit would be. Double the work, that's a lot. One of the places that we most often see this working well to make something an honors credit is in an area like history or English. And the reason is because in something like history, there's a lot of room for reading and research. And so if a student wants to level up to an honors credit in history. It is not all that difficult to find sort of a subcategory of whatever period of history or part of the world that student is studying that year for history. So for example, if they're studying European history, then it's not all that hard to add on to that and do a really in-depth chunk of study specifically on Elizabethan England or specifically on Western Europe leading up to World War I. Okay, you can pretty easily pick a subset, a subcategory, and then lean into that. And that is almost always going to be an area of sort of delight-directed learning for that student. If you're going to level something up to an honors, you want to give your child a good motivation for doing that. And you're going to want to let them choose something that genuinely does interest them deeply. Because they're going to be doing a lot of hours of extra work beyond what's already been assigned. And it is really helpful if that can be on a subject that truly delights them, something where they just want to dig their teeth into it and learn more and read more and watch more and go on more field trips and meet more people who are experts. In literature, the literature and writing portions of an English credit are a good place to level up if you have a kid who is a really strong reader and a strong writer. And that's because there you really can just count extra books and extra writing assignments. And so if your kid is a prolific writer and the normal expectation is that they're gonna write eight essays over the course of a year, and that averages out to about one a month, and you say, no, you're gonna write 16 essays over the course of the year. And maybe some of those essays are on elective subjects they're taking, maybe some of them are for their history. They, they might tie into other subjects, but you're saying, no, you're, you're a strong writer and you're a pretty quick writer. And so 16 essays, that's going to be a couple of essays every month. And we're also going to double research paper. Instead of one seven-page research paper in 10th grade, you're going to write two, or you're going to write two five-page papers, if two seven-page is just a little tiny bit too much. But you're going to do two separate experiences with research paper over the course of this year. Now, that is not unmanageable. That's not a crazy high goal to go after. 
When you use, for example, a research paper writing guide from Seven Sisters, like um, let's take Allison's MLA research paper guide, it's laid out to be used anywhere from four weeks to 10 weeks using her suggested schedules in there. And that's because some kids are going to be perfectly able to write their research paper and do a really, really good, careful, detailed job of it, but they can get it done in six weeks. Other kids are much slower readers, much slower writers. They do not feel comfortable with the structure of how you put a paper together and how you create transitions and how you provide support, all of that kind of stuff. And so they're gonna need to break it into smaller bites over the, the course of their work on it. And so they're gonna need to take 10 weeks. Well, if you've got a kid who can do one in six weeks and they say, no, I'd really like to level up the English credit on the transcript this year, I like writing, I'm good at it, I'm pretty quick. So yeah, I can do this. Then you can take two six week chunks, one in the fall and one in the spring. And six weeks can be plenty of time to do a bang up job on a research paper. If you've got a kid who's bent in that direction. If you have them reading titles for world literature, and they read the nine that are assigned that they have their study guides to, to do lit analysis with, but they also read an additional nine or 10 titles. Um, they throw some world poetry in there. They throw in something that goes along with something that they're doing for history or for geography, or they throw in extra literature from the, the country whose foreign language they're studying for their foreign language course. You can tie it to other things that they're doing, but you're saying, I'm gonna, read 20 books, all of which would be considered respectable, challenging, good reading in world literature. And that is gonna help me bump up my English credit for this year. I'm doubling my reading and doubling my writing. All right, so these, these are places that we most often see that working well. In the sciences and the maths, you're really, if you're gonna level up, you're talking about the textbook that's used you're talking about the level of rigor in the material presented there. It's not so much something that you just do by supplementing. We all have a pretty good feel probably for the difference between science for science people, for STEM people, right? Versus science for average people who don't have any particular interest in or affinity for science. Okay, so if, you're, if your student is gonna level up in math, it's gonna be because they're already through algebra one before they get to high school. And by the time they get to their junior year, they're ready to take statistics or calculus or, you know, they're doing material that is beyond the usual expectation for that year in high school. So with those thoughts about levels in mind, I'm just gonna encourage you to choose wisely on what you're gonna level up. For our very academic kids, we can be tempted to overdo the leveling up thing because they are capable of leveling up in most of their courses, we say, well, they should. They should do the best that they can possibly do. But just remember that your kid is more than academics and sometimes doing the best that they can do means leaving some space in there for the arts, leaving some space in there for relationships, leaving some space in there for service or for travel or for athletics. There are lots of other things that go into our kid being the best that he or she can be. And if we have leveled up too many courses in one year, then the simple amount of hours of time that goes into getting their schoolwork done will eclipse anything else that they're also trying to do. And we don't want our kids to be impressive on the transcript to the point 
that they are less healthy and less well-rounded in real life. Don't let that transcript become only a reflection of academic rigor. Let it become a reflection of what high school looked like for your teen. And remember the importance of having space for more than just demanding academics. So I hope that that helps you make sense of levels on the high school transcript and also helps you choose what courses your student might plan to level up. And with that, we are going to conclude this episode of the Homeschool High School Podcast, brought to you by 7sistershomeschool.com and carried on the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.